because a lot of entertainers like to skirt this line. Is there a moral consideration that entertainers should take into the platforming creation of their art? You know, consider myself a creative type or an artist or whatever for most of my life. A hundred percent. Talking about satire and parody and why it takes a certain amount of emotional intelligence, but just also general intelligence about society and history and whatnot to, um, to actually pull it off and be effective. And why Trump is so fucking hard to satirize. Yes, absolutely. We can absolutely use it. Yes, and how, to, and how to avoid satirization or parody. So real quick for those listening and, you know, or whatever, just, for the, you know, just put it out there, is that satire and parody are two distinct practices. Satire is a practice of, that's mainly aimed at criticizing or belittling or pointing out the flaws in a particular set of uh, behavior or a group or ideology. It can be, but it is not obligated to be humorous. Whether, and, and, is not, and whether you or not find the satire humorous is really just a reflection of your personal tastes as opposed to the intent or the um, uh, uh, effectiveness of the piece itself, of the satire itself. Yep. Parody is the imitation of somebody's behavior, actions, or, or whatever the fuck, for, explicitly for the sake of mockery. It could be lighthearted mockery, it can be more heavy-handed critical mockery, but it is always with the intent of laughter and through imitation of the source. Yeah, and I would add one thing to this, which is uh, Poe's Law, which is it's one of these like internet uh, mm-hmm. discussion things. I'm, I don't know, it might be from someone else, but it's essentially when you put something forward, if you're, if you're not sure of the audience, it can be interpreted as almost anything based on how the person sees you, the person posting. Yeah, and I mean, this is one of these things that informs satire and parody, especially nowadays. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Because the thing is, really, what this is just a, um, really, this is just, and so, so Poe's Law was written by Nathan Poe in 2005 on yeah. ChristianForums.com. He was actually ChristianForums.com. I just Wikipedia this shit, so check this out. So this yeah. dude Poe's Law, oh excuse me, this dude Nathan Poe, um, he this post was made during a debate on creationism where a previous poster had remarked to another user, good thing you included the winky, otherwise people might think you are serious. Poe then replied, without a winky smiling or other blatant display of humor, it is utterly impossible to parody a creationist in such a way that someone won't mistake for the genuine article. (laughs) Or Or in other words... It, and, and they actually kind of break it down here. The original statement of Poe's law referred to specifically to creationism, but it has since been generalized to apply to any kind of fundamentalism or extremism. Basically, what they're saying is that if you don't tag your parody by saying that this is parody or making it so abundantly clear, there will be people who take the shit at face value. Um, and maybe and, even if you do. And even if you do, they, they could still do that. And a good example of this, actually, and really what this is, is it's actually kind of just an update on an old concept called the death of the author, which is basically just like, how do you separate the art and the artist? Is that like an artist or whatever creates something, and they have an intent, and they have a message, and they have a certain level of you know, or aesthetics or way that they communicate shit, right? But you cannot control what your audience interprets of that shit, because your audience isn't going to be operating with the same level of understanding as you are. Yeah. 
And so this is basically just an updated version of that same idea that you cannot rely on the consumers of your shit to come away with the same conclusion you did, even if you make it abundantly clear what your intent was. Because now people are so skeptical that they can even be like, oh, well, maybe they're just saying this out loud to be to cover their own ass, or maybe they're just saying it because they want us to think the opposite, you know, contrarianism um, and whatnot. And actually, as a matter of fact, a good example of this shit is um, is South Park, because South Park, South Park, and I'm, I'm somebody who's never been, you know, super crazy uh, about South Park. Um, I admittedly only really started watching it like in the when they kind of made their turn after the I think right before the election or whatever. Basically, when they started becoming uh, when they kind of grew up a little bit and started um, introduced like woke PC principle and shit like that and started criticizing yeah, like, like we're that. gonna miss the market a different way, you know. Which the thing is that like to me that was yeah. <laughs> to me that was the time when they missed the mark the least, yes. Um, you know, in their whole careers. But but in any case, um, the reason why I bring up South Park is because they they're the ones they're the ones who who are popular, well known for getting away with this. Oh, it's just satire. We like to make fun of both sides, or we just, you know, um, it should be understood that we're just, you know, parodying these motherfuckers and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but then it's like we also hear your views. We also hear you express your actual views, which they identify as right-wing libertarians. And it's like, okay, you would have had better, you would have had a better ability to to downplay that shit if you hadn't admitted your political views out loud. Because with that context, when I go back and I listen to like or see your like your man bear or like your man bear man wait is it man bear pig yeah, yeah man bear pig the global warming thing the global warming which was basically um which was basically they were uh, climate change deniers yeah. which is essentially what that episode boiled down to um, and they only came to apologize and rec- and apologize to Al Gore about that shit like almost twenty years later yeah you know what well, I'm saying the thing is I actually really liked that episode because there was sort of like a critique of like no, it's, it's it's like what you had said earlier about someone critiquing something that wasn't like what they were trying to critique. Yeah. Like to me, it critiques Al Gore centering himself in the environmental movement, mm-hmm. and like you know being being the face of it. But at the same time, it's also this you know there's this very infantile like like oh, global warming's not real, man. Uh, like kind of like feeling to the episode. So it's like like that's something that I've come to appreciate more and more is is. Unintentional satires. <laughs> yeah, because like it seems like we kind of because in many respects it feels like we kind of tap the well on intentional satire. Yeah. You know, just because of how polarized things have gotten. But um, but the thing is about that about that thing is so like yeah, I agree with you that there were some good sticking points about like criticizing the blatant egoism and centering of Al Gore yeah. of, of him centering himself. Uh, yeah. But the thing is, is that like once again, like you said, it's like you don't have to then, but then you don't have to actually dismiss. It's dismissing the greater claim because of the person, and there's a name for this fallacy. I don't know what it's. I don't know what it's called. Ad uh, right? hominem. Is that what it is? That you're at just, the just, man. At the man, where like I guess yeah, you're criticizing the person as opposed to their. You're criticizing. You're using criticism of an individual to dismiss their ideas. Yeah. Where you know because the idea of climate change obviously um, is is clear as day if it wasn't yeah. then, and. You can also say that, yeah, climate change is real and that Al Gore was kind of being a, 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 a fucking ham and trying to center himself in this movement. Yeah. Um, it's, like you can, it's like you can do both things, but for some reason they chose to just dig into the ad hominem. And then you know, their excuse at the end of the day was, oh, it's just satire. It's just parody and shit. But it's just like 
y'all also played a role in helping to legitimize that approach to these and issues. And you have done it so many times on so yes. many issues in the exact same fashion. Right. And that's why it's not what you're saying it is. That's mm-hmm. Like, South Park undermines themselves with those claims. And then they go totally limp dick on Trump, which is fucking sad, because he's the goofiest motherfucker in the world. So yeah. People can't find an angle on him to make fun of him, because they have to go to very dark places to do it. I mean, it's yeah. really funny when you find it, but, you know. I mean, the thing is, I don't feel like, I mean, obviously for us it's not too hard, but we, have, we don't have yeah. as much vested interest with the system as is. We don't, we're not as invested with this shit, you know, maintaining it. Whereas Matt and Trey, I mean, hell, they just sold the fucking show for over $100 million, and each of those guys are already worth, like, oh, almost half, half a billion. Jesus. You know? Yeah, it's, it's just like they're, I don't know. Like, I've never particularly loved their show, and the things that I've loved about it have never been the things that they were trying to make the audience love about it. <laughs> Dude, exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. The, and, and this kind of goes back to, once again, because even though Matt and Trey, they're more right-wing libertarians, so that's why they're able to make valid critiques of the left and the right, liberals yeah. and republicans or lefties and right-wingers. Um, but once again, it's kind of this enlightened centrism take where, oh, yeah, yeah. where you just go to – you just kind of default to saying both sides are wrong to some degree, so I'm just going to sit here and mock both sides. And pretend that that's actually a final uh, way to actually deal with issues. And it's like, no, we can say that one side is more wrong than the other because one side has the objective here and is acting in more good faith than, than not, and is yeah. using a certain set of information to to uh, determine which way to move and which way yeah, to go. One, one side is using a fact-based, and one is using you know something else. Yeah, exactly. And um, they don't, you know, and whether it's. And to me, at this point, once again, this kind of goes back into like the Nick Cannon thing. It's like at a certain point, I can't really empathize with the argument of, oh, we didn't know any better or we weren't blah, blah, blah. So y'all have access to anything you would need to enlighten yourselves or to know more about any of the stuff you want to talk about. But yeah. you actively – and not only do you not display that, when people try to bring up these criticisms, you immediately go into to just mocking the fuck out of them, just going into ad hominem. Instead of addressing their criticisms or acknowledging you're wrong or really just dragging your feet to acknowledge that you were wrong, long after the damage is already done. Yep. You know. I would say that you should check out the, the, the Gray Zone episode on this. It's just like, I feel like, I feel like if, he had, if it had been someone else saying it, like, you know, it would be very different because there's, there, there is, like, in my mind, a very legitimate need to criticize Israel, but, like, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's like with, with Nick Cannon, it's like the worst possible, like, speaker to present this case has been chosen. Exactly. Like someone who's not a subject matter expert, someone who probably hasn't ever been to the Middle East, or if they, you know, if he did, it was probably not for a very long time. Yes. And I don't know. I haven't, I haven't watched the interview itself, but I've watched the um, Max Blumenthal commentary on it. And I think that you should check it out because he, you know, he's he's very critical of Israel, and he. Oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm Max Blumenthal in the gray zone. Yeah. Well, in, in summary of his critique, he essentially said that if he had said those things, he wouldn't have gotten in trouble because he knows the right words and he's a Jew. And it's like there's 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 been such a, a giant uptick in right. Well, in, 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 in attacking, yeah, there's been a giant uptick in, in disingenuous uses of uh, calling something anti-Semitic, like where where something yeah. is anti like 
the uh, security and regional political goals of Israel, they're like, oh, that's anti-Semitic. And it's like, well, no, it's not. It's anti-Israel. Israel is a country where there's a lot of Jewish people, but like, is being against Israel, therefore, you know, being against people who are Semitic or people who are Jewish? Yep. No. Is Nick Cannon the person to discuss this? No. 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 Hell no. No, definitely, definitely hell. not Nick Cannon. No, 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 absolutely, and uh, I am familiar it's like with Joe Rogan esque. No, ex- exactly. You know, Joe Rogan is only slightly more rigorous um, in it. Like he he waited. I don't know if you saw it, but like he recently had Ben Shapiro on again. I think for at least oh, like either goodness. the third, either the third or the fourth time. And get this, he finally, he finally, um, because Ben Shapiro was trying to pitch this whole you know bullshit about Kaepernick and his whole reasoning for uh, you know kneeling and everything. And so this was back in 2016, I believe, or 2015. And Rogan finally decides, like, tells Jamie, hey, pull it up or whatever. And they listen to it. And, you know, like Kaepernick, you know, he, he initially had made a statement where he was just like, oh, why am I going to stand for this flag? You know, blah, 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 which, you know, is, is, is very based, but it pisses off, you know, liberals and centrists and the right wingers can use it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he had that talk with the vet, and then he had that talk with the military veteran, right? In which he said he decided to start kneeling because it's a way to not muddy the waters and to get his message across more clearly. And, uh, you know, Joe Rogan played that clip or whatever and kind of like more or less settled it. But Ben Shapiro was still just kind of, well, you know, the earlier comment, the the, the, the earlier statement, you know, like he was just still trying to hold on to that old fucking canard. um, And, and, you know, and play play that fucking angle. And it's like, thank goodness that Joe finally fucking did it. But it's like he should have been fucking doing this shit since his first appearances um you know because ben shapiro because hell because the thing is it's like you can even take that same argument and be like okay so what about jews or israelites who are critical of the state of israel or benjamin netanyahu you know what i'm saying like what if they what if the, what about the uh, uh you know what about the jews against that and stuff then the argument becomes oh they're not legitimate jews they're not yeah. real jews you know what i'm saying fucking ben shapiro man oh my god uh he just Oh yeah, of course. That's that's you know, but that's another tactic, and it's the same in any other group because because like I said, with the like the Nick Cannon example, he came out and apologized or whatever. You know, he's a little better about this stuff. But once again, there are plenty of black people who would not have stepped back from that topic, like Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. That's yeah. part of the whole fucking shtick. You know what I'm saying? He hasn't been as inflammatory in the last couple of decades for obvious reasons. Um, but this, but the but the fucked up things he has said. Um, are available to to go on research, so they're very unapologetically anti um, anti Semitic, yeah, and playing into all that shit. And, and, and you you get some of his um, less than you know uh, well educated followers often you know repeating some very negative things in a very public manner, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is I mean, then it just you know leads to caricatures and and you know attacks on him, which fairly deserved. You know, Farrakhan he really opens himself up a lot, like you know, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But the thing is, this just goes back into the the use of um, of gatekeeping. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying, oh, based around identity. You know, but to get back to the sticking point of like satire and parody mm-hmm. is, and why I use South Park as an example is because they're not as bad as conservatives and right wingers. But the reasons why they still miss the mark is clearly because of intent. You know, basically they found a lane where they're like, hey, we can piss off both sides and just kind of ride this cash cow and be trolls. They were basically just trolls. Yes. You know, um, and they've made, you know, tons of fucking money. But I'm not mad in and of itself, um, but it's just seeing the impact and the ethics that they that they kind of promoted. Um, yeah. 
And it's and, like the reason that they were given such a platform to do whatever they wanted is because they were never doing anything that really threatened anyone. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then you go over to to go back to our old friends uh, John Stewart and like Colbert, Stephen Colbert with the Colbert Report. Um, you know, these were. I mean, and the thing is, a lot of that stuff still stands up, especially when you think about like about Colbert, the Colbert Show. Is that like it was? He was obviously like parodying. Uh, uh, talk show radio conservatives and whatnot. Yes. Excuse me, but then he was also adding in plenty of biting satire, where you laugh, but you but you're laughing not because the thing is inherently funny, but because it's exposing the contradiction in conservative thought and conservative behavior. You know, like show like you know, especially examples of like homophobic, you know, um, you know, who, who and, you know homophobic yeah. senators or whatever politicians who promote like uh, conversion therapy. And then they I, get I think caught. my favorite bit of his in that vein is the, the Eleanor Holmes Noten bit, where he always claims to never, always claim to never see race, but he would always interview her, and he would always <laughs> be like, "Mister, you know, something, something." Mister, yeah, you, you know, start. Mister, this he would always try to, op, he would always He would play into that tactic that right wingers would use to obfuscate, you know, what I'm saying, talking about addressing a particular issue, but the way in which he did it was showing just how goofy it was on its face. Yeah. You know, like, oh, you're engaging in this thing, but then you're saying that you don't engage in this thing. And then, of course, the penultimate moment was when he went to go give the correspondence dinner at the, the White House correspondence dinner to H.W. Bush. And they didn't realize until then that, like, oh, this dude's making fun of us because at a critical level, there's a certain level of, of not just oh, being liberal and being a lefty, but that when you genuinely engage with, like, embracing diversity um, looking for the gray within all the black of in black and white, not relying on pseudoscience, actually really wanting to relying on like psychology and sociology to help examine the world in more historical basis. Those are the things that allow one to play with parody and satire in a way that gives you moral consistency and effectiveness. Yes, and allows it's, your critiques to be informed instead of ham-fisted. Yes. Directions. Yes, and so that's why you can go out there like a Stephen Colbert. Unfortunately, even though he's become, you know, just kind of more of a liberal dem. Um, yeah, they, they neutered him once they took him off of Comedy Central. It was sad. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't be so passive about it. I think that, you yeah. know, kind of would have exposed kind of why, like, John Stewart kind of, you know, bailed out and why Colbert went in is because, like, Colbert was kind of already leaning towards that, yeah. or at least just wanted to keep his name. He just, wanted, just wanted to, to get paid. Just, he just wanted to get paid and be relevant. You know, yeah. it could just be that. And then John Stewart, obviously, he's like, you know, he tried to do the Return the Sanity tour. And I think that one of the reasons why he hasn't returned to that shit is because he kind of realized that it, it wasn't really effective and that it really wasn't going to help bring about the changes that he knew needed to happen. But in any case, you know, that, that, that was the beauty of them because they were able to take in all this stuff. And you could never say, even as good as their criticisms got, even as wild as the things he said, most people who were left or liberal never mistook him for being a right winger. Because, yes. because, because he understood Poe's law very well. Ex yes, it, we got it. However... One of the reasons why he was able to get away with becoming doing the correspondence dinner is because there was this inherent inability for anybody on that side. Because there's plenty, because there's plenty of intelligent, there's plenty of like genuinely effective, intelligent fascists, um, authoritarians, you know, right wingers and conservatives and whatnot, right? But yeah. they, but because they had this block in their mind and their ethics of shunning diversity of thought, shunning um, rigorous intellectualism um, and inquiry. It was 
only at the it was only until after the fact that they realized, oh shit, we're being mocked by this fucking guy. And that's when the and that's when like the White House Correspondents' Dinner have become so politicized ever since. Yeah. And then there was that one uh that the woman did about Trump and then everyone lost their goddamn minds about it. All the conservative oh. media was like, Oh just, ah! <laughs> uh, uh Michelle Wolf, which yeah. which and it the wasn't thing even is, that spicy. It was it was edge lordish. It was like super yeah. like teenage edge lord. I was like, dude, this is shit that we were saying to each other in high school. Is this really what you fucking grown ass adults are like getting? But I think that actually kind of underscores that like that really is reflective of how people's sense of humor is, of how most people are. Like most people really do just have like a fifteen year old sense of humor. And some people actually thought that that was funny. And you know, people actually, some of them actually have read this on the internet. Watch SNL, bro. I've been asking my friends that watch SNL why. Like right. I've seen, you know, I've seen like I've, there's been some highlights and shit. Um, but the thing is that to me, I just I just take that from the highlight reel. I don't need to watch the whole game. Yeah, they they, they usually do one funny joke every season. Mm-hmm. Every season. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes two. Sometimes two. That's right. That's right. You know, I don't uh, know. There's stuff you just you look back at it. It just doesn't hold up. Like it's like like if you go go everybody go watch the Dick in the Box video. You will not get the same warm feeling inside as you did the first time. No, it's um the magic is gone. Yeah, I mean, and the, and the thing is, is that like this isn't even to say like oh every joke should age well. It's, you know, some jokes yeah. are only meant to some things are only meant to be laughed about for like a week or two. You know, yeah. what I'm saying be, you know, and that's fine. But it's um it's when that stuff is held up as the standard or being like. Oh, this is a work of great genius. Because you know what I just saw the other you know what I just saw the other day? What? Justin Timberlake won a Grammy for that song. For that song? Oh wait, I think oh it might my I, hold on, goodness. I think it, I think it might have been Lonely Island in general. Well it's still I, wow. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. But 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 once again, that's you know that, that's the right the, is always talking about the cultural disintegration of the United States. But what about that fucking shit? Oh, actually, excuse me, this is even more uh, illustrious. Um, the Lonely Island won a 2007 Emmy Award for Outstanding Original Music and Lyrics for their video, Dick in a Box. <laughs> Holy fuck. You know, which, like I said, I'm not hating the hustle. If they're going to give out awards for that, I'm just yeah. kind of – I just also think that like – It's really stupid. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, but in any case, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's a different issue than I was touching on. But, but to wrap it up, like with the whole satire and parody thing yeah. is – there is still a – oh, I guess this is kind of like the last part I'll bring up about it is – so obviously I outlined why not all instances – just because you call something satire or parody doesn't mean it's going to be accepted and interpreted and such and doesn't mean that the quality of your satire and parody is worthy of appraisal or praise, praiseworthy. Um, the other thing is that there is a stark visible divide between the ability of left-wingers and liberals versus right-wingers and conservatives in being able to engage with satire and parody because of the way in which they engage in their daily life and their general ethics and values. And then the third thing I want to add, which kind of, which kind of goes into all of this is that there is a, because a lot of entertainers like to skirt this line. Is there a moral consideration that entertainers should take into the platforming creation of their art as somebody who creates content and has been, you know, you know, consider myself a creative type or an artist or whatever for most of my life, 100%. I I think that way. Now, that doesn't mean to say um, that, like, oh, if somebody says they listened to your album or saw your painting and then went out and stabbed somebody, that you also get charged with murder or, you know, uh, uh, you also get charged. Yeah. What it's saying is that 
is that recognizing that if you are somebody that thinks about art seriously, that what you reckon, that what we all recognize about art is that it is stimulating to the senses, yeah. right? It is about evoke that all art is is about evoking certain emotions and certain thoughts in a person. And so you cannot go in the same breath and say that, yes, I am trying to evoke a certain set of emotions and thoughts and behavior in people. And then when some people use your invocations as justification for a certain set of behavior, you can't just completely dust your hands and walk away and be like, well, it wasn't me or, you know, you can't, you know, you can't, you have to address that. Yeah, you have to be responsible for and intellectually honest about the creation of your art. Right, exactly. Um, and a good example of this is Alex Jones. Oh, goodness. You know, because the thing is about Alex Jones is, you know, he's played into this image and shit, and he, and he went to, he had to go to court and shit and fight because, <clears throat> yeah. so what's happened, um, in the last several years is that, like, Alex Jones has really gone full right wing, and so playing into these conspiracy theories about le- liberals and left wingers and, and, and all this other shit. And one of the most, some, two of the most important ones, significant ones, was, excuse me, was him, Claiming that the school, that the shooting, which killed, I forget which one the it is. Sandy Hook shooting was the a Sandy Hook shooting. Actors or is it hoax? I, a ho- exactly, and this resulted in his followers. Uh, and the thing is, this wasn't just like a one-off thing. He repeated this for years until he got taken to court, yeah. um, and he's been successfully sued for that. But basically, like the parents have been harassed, um, they've been threatened with violence. A lot of them had to move um, because his followers and the people who fought, who believe in his shit. They were provoked, like, oh, you're 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 playing into. Um, uh, they would come harass the the parents of the little child shooting victims, and it was yes, blood. yes, they would come and harass the the, the 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 parents of the of the shooting victims, the kid, yeah, of these children, and yeah. they would say that no, you didn't bury your children, you're just, this is just a psyop, you know, saying this is a way for you to try to fool us, you're working with the government, you know, blah blah blah, right? And so he's been successfully sued for that, and when, and and uh, of course his excuse was, hey, I'm just playing a character. This isn't really mean. It's just like, no, bro, you – the, the time to make that divide is way too far past. Yeah, he's not that stupid. He just plays with it on TV. Exactly, exactly. Um, he, he knows what he's playing with. He knows who he's provoking. Like, it's mm-hmm. – you don't just get to be like, oh, I had no idea. It's like like mm-hmm. with the PewDiePie shit with, yes. with uh, racism and anti-Semitism. He's like, oh, you know, I paid some um, – you know, Aboriginal uh, Australians to write something anti-Semitic on a sign and then dance around mm-hmm. with it for five minutes. Isn't that so funny? Ha 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 ha! It's mm-hmm. like, hey, guess what? Your channel is primarily seen by, um, you know, children and especially, you know, like uh, women, like children's and like teenagers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Continue to allow that guy to be in charge of stuff. But that's why I'm not in charge of a platform. You know, it's because I would. I would, I would run it into the ground trying to be morally consistent, and it would not be a profitable capitalist enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have. It wouldn't be as profitable. Yeah, it wouldn't be a. It wouldn't be a. I forgot who said it, but it's just like they said that like all industries that once you get to a certain level, it's all built on bullshit. That there's just certain levels you can't attain unless you're pitching bullshit. Because if you're trying to make an honest dollar, there's only so much you can get out of trying to spin an honest dollar. Yeah, you gotta fuck somebody over to become a billionaire. Yeah. Exactly. Fuck somebody over, or you got to play. You got to create a need. You have to fabricate a need. Yeah. You know, which I mean, like that's all that, like I mean, that Bernays guy with the on. diamonds and shit from the beginning. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. absolutely. And the and the thing is, like, when you look, when you think about it, like anything beyond food and housing, and you know, a minimum amount of you know, um, healthcare or whatever, everything is subjective. 
but uh, as far as taste and preferences go. But some taste and preferences lead to worse or better um, objective outcomes for the consumer and society at large, right? Um, and some things yep. that even go further with that, we like beyond like the outcome of the thing. Like we're often like just like full uh, cloth or from whole cloth sold things that we don't need. Like yes. we just really don't. Yeah. Absolutely. Like going on cruises or like shit like that, you know, or Furbies or or, or Instagram. <laughs> that's just a funny. That's just a funny contrast you made between like cruises and Furbies, you know. And yeah. I just thought it was funny. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, and and the thing is, it's it's you know, it, that's the difficult thing because it's like you know, how do you you know when you curb certain indulgences and say like, oh, you know. What if I want to go tour around the world and whatnot? It's like, you know, can you do that without having to get on a cruise ship because of all the damaging effects that we know it has and all the uh, – And just yeah. to, to me, I wouldn't go on a cruise ship just of how often they seem to fuck up. Like they just don't yeah, seem to be – Yeah, there's all kind of like shit in the media all the time about stuff going wrong with them. Yeah, I'm just like – I'm just like this doesn't seem like a fun time. Like I'm already not the best person to just like be over like water and shit um, in the middle of deep, you know, fucking bodies of water. And then, How would you like to be on the coast of California for four months while they try to figure out what happens to all the people on the ship you're on? 